I write for lots of different publications, Vogue, Refinery29, The Independent, The Evening Standard, The Sunday Times, Forbes, BBC. I don't think it's fair that most of the people that get featured in the media are men. Getting your business featured in a media title is just going to put your expertise and your voice on a platform that is far bigger than one you are possibly generating for yourself right now. How do I get into Forbes? I probably get pitched for Forbes about 100 times a day. Of those 100 pitches, about two to five are possibly viable. There are some kind of golden rules for how to make your pitch a kind of killer pitch. Do not feel you have to share your innermost secrets to be a relatable or interesting voice in the media. There is somebody out there that is gonna be so glad your voice was in the media. Welcome to Starting the Conversation. You're listening to episode number 231. I'm your host, Alice Benham, joined this week by the brilliant Bianca. Hello. Hello. Excited for having to have me. you. <laughs> Already spoken over you, so great start from the recording from my side. I feel like I just spoke over you, so I'm oh, sorry about us. that. Look at us. Just taking equal blame. Exactly. It's the way to go. Such women just apologising for everything we do. <laughs> <laughs> I was making my way here by the tube and a guy literally ran straight into me who was coming onto the, the carriage. Like, you know, people rush on because it's going to shut. And I went, oh my God, I'm so sorry. When like <laughs> I was the one stationary and he was the one that ran into me. And I just spent the rest of the tube journey like, what? why did I do that? I feel like this is a metaphor for gender politics that yeah. we can all apply to our own lives. There's a lot that we can unpack there. Yeah. But you know, not, that's not what we're here for today. We'll uh, save that for another recording. Yeah. Or save that for the next time that you and I hang out and end up having four glasses of wine. Maybe that's yeah. the discussion for the next time we do that. Absolutely. When we get to glass three, for sure. <laughs> We'll bring that topic into the yeah, discussion. Yeah, we will. I cannot wait. Bianca, for those who are not already familiar with you, I know, because I always hate this question, but I think context is valuable, especially with what we're going to talk about today. So if you don't mind sharing, give us a little bit of intro. Who are you? What do you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I am Bianca Barrett. Bianca Barrett. Sorry, I didn't full name you. It's yeah, really no, good, that's right? totally fine. I think um, it's quite a good journalist name because yeah. it's alliterative. That's a strong name as well. Yeah, like I feel Bianca like it, Barrett. it's yeah, it's almost like I could be like a Lois Lane. This is <laughs> these are my fanciful ideas about myself. But anyway, back to the introduction. You are Bianca Barrett. I am Bianca Barrett and I am a journalist. So I write for lots of different publications. I'm freelance now. Um, I used to work at the Evening Standard for a while, then went on to work at Culture Trip, uh, where I wrote about travel stuff. Now I write features about lifestyle and culture for different places. So Vogue, Refinery29, um, The Independent, The Evening Standard, The Sunday Times, BBC, uh, quite a few places. Yeah. And then I also write about business, so women in business specifically uh, as a senior contributor at Forbes. So I have a column there. Then I have another column with uh, the media leader, which is basically me repping journalists' concerns to the rest of the media industry. So it's basically where I get to moan about the things that are annoying about being a journalist or kind of issues we're having or concerns there are in the industry at the moment to other people who work in like film, TV, all other types of media, podcasting, for example. Yeah, so that's kind of my 
main job. As an offshoot of that, I also do media consultation. So for anybody who doesn't know what that is, (laughs) it's basically where I give my insider knowledge as a journalist, from a journalist perspective, to businesses on how to get themselves featured by the media. Mm. That's pretty much it. I love how you say that's pretty much it when I feel like you've just given (laughs) one of the most epic, like job summaries like when you were listing all of those publications I was like any more like (laughs) you were just all the big dogs in there it's amazing thanks I mean I may have repeated a couple you know when you get to a point you're like have I already said that one I don't know but yeah yeah I think you're doing pretty well if you're worrying about repeating like (laughs) Refinery29, Forbes, Vogue like you know that's a pretty great place to be in thank you have you always been a journalist no I haven't. Ah, okay. No. So I actually, I feel like I've kind of, like, I've lived nine lives already, really. So I trained as an actor at uni. No way. (laughs) Yeah. So I can spin you a yarn in a costume (laughs) if ever you need. Uh, Maybe for your next business party. You know, I'll do a little, I'll just do a little um, bit of entertainment for you guys. I would love that. Are you in, like, the performing arts or are we just pure acting? Like, have we got any singing in there? I don't think I'm a great singer. Like, I'm fine. I can sing in tune. Okay. But I would never pretend to be, like, a really good singer. singer. No. Okay. Dancing, absolutely not. Anything that requires choreography or coordination, no. that's That's a hard pass from me. So I trained as an actor mostly just, like, theatre. Did a bit of, like, camera stuff as well, but mostly theatre. Did that for a couple of years after uni. Uh, so worked in a theatre company, travelled around with that, kind of enjoyed it. I mean, I've always loved the acting part, like the bit where you're on stage mm. and there's an audience or you're kind of hashing out uh, a scene in a rehearsal. But then the actual, like, 90% of the job. Yeah. <laughs> which is like promoting yourself and going to auditions and people telling you no over and over and over again. I kind of hated that part. And I think a lot of it was to do with the fact that I didn't feel like I had the tools at the time to promote myself in that way or I just didn't know how to make opportunities for myself. Whilst I was touring with this theatre company, I was thinking, I don't know if this is quite right for me. I started doing a blog. So this is back in the blogging days. Like I'm talking like over 10 years ago now. Oh, yeah. And I just started writing a blog, mostly for my family and friends, about life traveling around with this show. So I knew I didn't want to stay in acting, but I didn't at the time really know what I was going to do next. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, shit, like I don't have any other employable skills. Like all I know how to do is pretend to be somebody else. (laughs) My family is in teaching. So, you know, it's definitely one of those professions that can run in the family. Yeah. And so I was like, well, maybe I'll see if I can do a primary school teaching qualification because then even though I knew I didn't want to be a teacher forever and I'm going to say sorry if there are any teachers listening to this because I definitely am not saying teaching is the kind of career that's like oh I'll just do that till something better comes along <laughs> but that's kind of what I did um yeah I mean what a career to pick to almost see it as one of those jobs though that's yeah. like being like yeah I might just be a doctor for a couple of years <laughs> just to tie myself over no biggie don't really know what I was thinking to be honest <laughs> but I yeah so I decided well I'll just get my teaching qualification because then I know I want to do something creative but if I have this teaching qualification it means that in the future if the shit hits the fan I'll always be able to get a job so I did teach first I don't know if anyone's heard of it it's like mm-hmm. a graduate scheme absolute baptism of fire so it's say. like two years you get six weeks of training in the summer before you start and then you sort of kick off in the September of your first year and you have a class they like just all throw the, res- in the deep yeah. end don't they all the responsibilities of a teacher you have and you literally don't know what you're doing 
Uh, Ofsted came after like 10 days. That was really stressful. I mean, it was the most stressful two years of my life. But during that time, I realized, I think I want to be a writer. I decided, yeah, I think I'm going to be a writer, having no real idea how I was going to make that happen. Obviously told my family about this. My parents just like, oh my God, what, what does that even mean? <laughs> what do you mean be a writer? Like, yeah. how is that? A, like, is that a job? Like, uh -huh. what are you talking about? You have a stable job as a teacher. And it took me a while to kind of convince them that that's what I wanted to do. I did. And so I decided in my, in my last year, so my second year of teaching, in the summer holidays, you still get paid. So up until September, you're still technically employed by the school, even if you're, you've left. Mm. So that meant I had six weeks of full pay where I could get work experience. I essentially took a weekend off after my two insanely intense years as a teacher and then did six weeks of proper like work experience at magazines like you do when you're about 16. And it was whilst on one of those uh, work experience slots that I was out reviewing a gig for this little paper who, you know, want, like, can anyone go to this thing tonight? It's like, you'll get, you know, it's like free booze. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Spent two years in teaching where you pay for your own Christmas party and like, yeah. <laughs> like there's n nothing's free. You have to, the only things you can get for free are like stationery that you pilfer from the school. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh my God, free booze. Yeah, sign me up. Uh -huh. I'm going to that gig. Love it. Went along, met a woman who was an editor at the Evening Standard, just got chatting to her. And anyway, she's, she's sort of heard about what I was doing and having, me having had no formal experience really, beyond this six weeks of work experience. I um, I was basically like, uh, yeah, this is what I'm doing. And I, I, I want to um, be a writer, I want to be a journalist. And she was like, oh, there's actually a job going on the lifestyle desk. Would you be interested? It's like, obviously, <laughs> obviously. So I applied for that and um, then did all the interviews and all that stuff and I, I got the job, which I just, I still kind of can't believe that that happened and then that was what kind of set me off on the path of being a journalist. And I think I, I definitely got better at creating those opportunities for myself. You know, like I was saying earlier with the with the acting at that age, I just didn't know how to go about that, like how to make opportunities. And then I think as writing was a better fit for me, I just got much better at networking, saying yes to things and making opportunities for myself. And just to bring it back to the topic at hand, I realized that was a very long winded answer to that question. I think what that's really helped me with as somebody who helps business owners work out how to get themselves into the media. I was someone who didn't have connections before, didn't have, you know, a parent or an uncle or an auntie or anything like that in the industry that could get help me get my foot in the door. I just did it by being creative and making uh, opportunities for myself, networking with journalists. And that was how I created the opportunities that got me in. And it's a really similar experience for someone who's looking to get themselves featured in the mm. media. So it's there's so many parallels there that I bring to that when I when I give people advice on how to do that, that I kind of bring to that conversation from my own experience of trying to get my foot in the door of an industry that I didn't know anybody in. Yeah, know? I love that story. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. I'm always so fascinated to hear what is often for people quite a kind of wiggly and and yeah. random path to running a business. Like I just think it's so rarely, oh, I sat down one day, came up with a business idea and here it is. It's usually this like, oh, well actually it links back to when I 
went to acting school. Yeah. And that's how I'm now working like as a journalist and helping other business owners. Like I just find that fascinating. And I also love stories like that because it really comforts me when it feels like you're on the quote unquote wrong path or when things yeah. don't feel like they're going in the right direction. It, it helps you to trust the process of it, doesn't it? Because you realize, okay, it doesn't always look linear. Like this oh, yeah. could be what leads me the next Yeah, thing. absolutely. And I think it's something I always think is interesting is that as business owners, we often look at other people's businesses and think, oh, it seems really obvious that they would have that success. They got sprinkled with the magic dust. Yeah. I didn't. And actually every business owner, no matter how successful they might appear, there's so much uh, uncertainty, so many chances taken where you don't know what the outcome is going to be, so much risk taking, all that that comes into it, whatever level you're at. It's only, you know, now looking back at that path, I'm like, oh, every job I've had has definitely led me into what I'm doing now and given me skills that I still use today. I mean, no, could I have sort of predicted that this was how I was gonna find the thing that I wanted to do? Absolutely mm. not. Yeah, but here you are. Here I am. And I'm <laughs> about to spend the next 40 odd minutes asking you all of mine and the listeners burning questions about getting into the press and getting media in your business because I just feel like it is full of mystery. Yeah. That's something I hear a lot is I think particularly because even PRs say, so if you don't, if anyone doesn't know what that is, uh, it's a public relations person. So somebody who gets your business in the press on your behalf. So even PRs that I know, they, a lot of them are like, what do journalists want? You yeah. know, what are they looking for in a story? It's not just business owners that feel that level of mystery. It's a lot of people who mm. kind of work to pitch stories to journalists that feel that way too. I think there is a lot of mystery and I am definitely on a mission to change that. I don't think it's fair that most of the people that get featured in the media are men for a start. Um, it's something like only 28% of the expert sources quoted in the media are women. Gosh, and I bet the statistics within that of then how many are women of color oh. or are disabled yeah. or neurodiverse, like that must just be then a, a, a far smaller Oh yeah, percentage. absolutely. And then even worse than that, over 40% of stories with women in them or about women in the media uphold negative gender stereotypes. So I am really on a mission to kind of change that, mm. get more women business owners, more experts into the media, but also for it to be people that, it's not just people who can afford to hire PRs to do it for them. Because mm -hmm. I think that's where a lot of the, the mystery comes from. It's like, I wouldn't even know where to start to approach a journalist and for them yes. to consider my pitch over another's. And then it's like, you know, they probably don't want to hear from me because they'll think I'm lame if I don't have a PR. Uh -huh. <laughs> And I would like to tell you guys that is absolutely not the case. Um, there's no reason a journalist would consider a PR's pitch to them over a pitch that you've written yourself. What they really care about is the quality of the pitch. Yeah. So yeah, I'm really looking to teach more small business owners all the tools they need so they can keep getting themselves and their businesses featured mm. in the media because it has such a big impact on business. So that's really what I want to do. I think that's so brilliant. And that education is so needed. Like yeah. I can speak from my own experience as a business owner, but also I know because I get the privilege of speaking to so many clients and friends and even just people in my community. You know, obviously I talk a lot about marketing and you kind of naturally comes up when you talk about like how you want to use your own content or how you want to use like 
you know, different parts of your marketing, press and kind of media always comes up in that conversation. And I see it time and time again. And, and this is definitely how I used to feel about it. There's just this feeling of like, oh yeah, well, obviously I really want that, but obviously yeah. I'm not gonna even consider that as part of my strategy because like, like you said, I can't hire a PR to do it for me. Or it's this kind of secret game that I don't understand. I definitely know how my PR strategy used to look was either like, I'm only gonna get PR if it just magically somehow happens because someone I know yeah. works there and it, it kind of just happens for whatever reason. I never felt that I had the knowledge, the confidence, and I guess almost like the permission to like proactively have my own PR strategy for myself. Yeah. And I think it, it, a lot of it is the knowledge, isn't it? Like actually just knowing how do I do it? And yeah. like you said, what does a quality pitch look like? Which we can get into all of that in yeah. today's episode, which I'm super <laughs> excited for. Quickly though, before we get into the detail of like how to actually pitch, you know, where to find contacts, what a good pitch is, all of that fun stuff. Why should we as small business owners care about PR in the first place? I feel like it's easy to think of PR as like a big business thing. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, that's something that like bigger companies care about how is press and media relevant to us as kind of you know solo entrepreneurs startups maybe people that resonate with being a slightly smaller business oh my god it's <laughs> so relevant I will you know I will tell you right now if you've been thinking oh this isn't for me because a I can't afford it or b I don't have the time to put into it I would really urge you to reconsider that opinion right now um, mostly because of all the different marketing techniques there are, getting your business featured in a media title that is a large one that has a reach of sometimes millions of people, is just gonna put your expertise and your voice on a platform that is far bigger than one you are possibly generating for yourself right now mm. and at a much quicker rate. And not only that, your clients or your potential clients you know, we all know as small business owners, we want to connect with our audience. And that's how you build that sort of trust and you build a relationship with them. And it's when you have those things in place that they think, yeah, I like this person, I want to work with them. Getting into a media brand that that person already likes, knows and trusts mm. automatically means they're more likely to like, know and trust you too. And it might not even be a thought process that they're, they're creating consciously. Okay, I'll give you an example. Let's say you're considering buying a new fancy water bottle. Mm -hmm. And that is there's- so something I do, by the way. Yeah. I will. I feel like this is such a business owner. I was like, what's something that us business owners <laughs> like really cover? It's often like some fancy water bottle that we can carry around with us everywhere and it looks oh, nice massively. and all the stuff. Yeah. So let's say it's a fancy water bottle. There are sort of two options that are similar price point. They kind of have very similar features, you know, qualities, whatever you want to call it. But one of them has been featured in big media brands that you know. So let's say one's been featured by Vogue and Stylist and Forbes or whatever it might be, Cosmopolitan. And then the other one hasn't had any media. Which one are you more likely to choose? You might not even realize you're doing it, but it's essentially, it's like this subconscious stamp of approval. It's that third party endorsement. It's like when you see influencers using yeah. something. It's that, like you said it, because you trust that brand, whether yeah. it be a person, a publication, an individual, it's almost like that just immediately gives you the same level of like and trust yeah. for the thing. And it's also that sense of, you know, if it's a brand that you aspire to, yeah. If your business 
is associated with that brand, then you you were then like, oh, that's a business that's emanating a sense of success, mm. of like high quality. And you then automatically think, oh, well then that they'll be able to bring that to me too. It's putting you out there on a much bigger scale. And it's also making, like generating the sense with your audience that they will like, know and trust you more. But beyond that even, it can open so many other doors to areas of your business or you as the founder may not have either considered before or known were an option to you. So examples of that would be, I know off the back of features that I've done about people, they have gotten investment funding that they wouldn't have been able to get before. They have been offered book deals that they wouldn't have been able Mm. to get before. They have gotten a Wikipedia page. You know, Wikipedia pages are usually created for businesses or individuals because of the media that they have received. I'm adding something new to my list of goals. I never (laughs) knew I wanted a Wikipedia page, but if I know it's possible... Well, there you go. I mean, and that's just the tip of the iceberg, obviously. So there's just so many benefits that come off the back of that. And just to reiterate the point of, you know, the question you asked, why should small business owners care about this? Because maybe they're thinking, you're thinking, well, I work at my kitchen table. I don't want a flipping Wikipedia page. (laughs) Or like, that's (laughs) not relevant to me. But the point, the point here is, you know, as someone, when you're a small business owner, we all know you have to be really smart with your time. You have to choose quite carefully how you're going to portion your time out for the things that need doing that are going to grow and maintain your business. Mm -hmm. Because often, let's face it, you're doing every job yourself. You're the accountant, you're the marketing manager, you're the creator, you're, you're all of the things. Yeah. And you think, okay, you're spinning so many plates all the time. And you might think PR is just, or like getting my business into the media is just another plate that I just cannot be spinning. But what I will say to you is this, of all the marketing techniques you could be using, media is one of the most, you get the most benefit from in terms of the amount of time you put in compared to the results that you can get out. Instead of like pouring hours and hours into oh, maybe I'll, I'll put loads of time into creating ads and pour thousands and thousands into, into putting ads out there. And that might take you like several hours a week. If you just spent a couple of hours a week doing strategic media outreach, which I'll teach you a little bit about how to do, then you could get these huge features that put you in front of millions of potential customers so much faster. And the best thing is, you're not paying these magazines or newspapers to write about you. They're going to write about you for free. (laughs) In terms of cost effectiveness and time, energy put in versus what you're going to get out, it is definitely one of the best things out Mm. there that you can do for your business. Yeah, that was a great sales pitch for PR (laughs) and media in your business. I'm sold. To follow on from that then, a quick question. How do you know when you or your business are ready to be kind of pitching for press or to be in the media? And then a question to kind of add to that as well is, is it something that you do on an ongoing basis or is there like certain times when it's right for your business? So both of those are really great questions. I think to answer the first one, some things that you don't need to have in order to be considered worthy of sharing your expertise in the media are million pound years. You know, there's a lot of this stuff about, oh, you need to be a seven figure business owner for somewhere like Forbes to even consider writing about you not true you don't need to have a huge social media following either things that i think you do need to have are experiences 
that you can speak with authority on or an area of expertise that you can speak with authority on that somebody else can learn from. So if you're like, for, okay, for example, if I just become a writer last week, I wanted to get the fact that I'm a writer into the media, I probably wouldn't be pitching like, oh, you know, as a writer, this is my expertise in X, Y, Z, because I've been doing it for a week. Like how, what, you know, how can I be sharing expertise on that? Whereas if I was saying, okay, well, this is my third career, <laughs> essentially by my late 20s, mm. I could probably pitch the media about you know, how to navigate career changes or, cha you know, completely change into a new career that you don't have any experience in. I could probably talk about that. It's really looking at what are the areas of your own business or your own experience that you feel you can speak with authority mm. on. And I think that's the kind of stage of business when it's the right time to pitch. And this isn't to say you have to have been doing it for years, not at all. And there are so many aspects of your expertise or business that you can be pitching really on in your business journey. It's mostly about thinking, do I have the confidence to share something that I know is gonna be valuable for people to mm. consume, whether it's to read or listen or watch or whatever it might be. Yeah, and I feel like that by that metric, probably 90% of people exactly. it is ready. Yeah. Because just sometimes that feeling, isn't it? Like when you're going on someone else's platform, it's like, oh gosh, you know, that's not me. Like you said, I don't run a six figure business yeah. or I've not got 10,000 followers or I'm not yeah. like, you know, I don't know, the people that I see on The Apprentice or Dragon's yeah. Den or whatever. And it's like, it probably is sometimes a bit of a confidence thing, isn't it? Just Absolutely. Thinking, I'm not ready yet. But then I want like, what are we waiting to feel yeah, ready exactly. with? <laughs> and the irony of that is that going and doing this media outreach and getting featured is gonna be one of the main things that would help you get there. Yes. <laughs> if the, if you're looking to build a six-figure business or a seven-figure so business, true. or you are looking to grow your audience exponentially or whatever it might be, media is one of the things that will make that much easier for mm. you and a lot faster for you. So that's your first question. Your second question yeah. was, you're gonna have to remind me. It, uh, you tell me if this is something to talk about later on in the episode, but it was just around, because we'll get onto in a second, what like media outreach looks like very mm -hmm. practically. I guess my question was gonna be, is it something we would be looked to be doing all of the time in our businesses? Or is it something that you kind of strategically turn on and off? Yeah, so that is a really great question. I think it's really great to have media drip feeding into your business all the time. Like I believe it should be something that you are incorporating into your kind of marketing strategy on a regular basis. So I'm I'm about kind of little and often. So whether it's just an hour a week where you're putting time into it, to me is better than doing like one day a year <laughs> and maybe not seeing results and being like, see, I yeah. knew this didn't work, mm -hmm. you know? I think so little and often is good, but my caveat to that would be, it does rely on you having something valuable to share. <laughs> you know, let's say you've had stories come out in the media about your business and they've come out about the same kind of thing, whether it's like how you got into your business or uh, a particular kind of area of expertise that you're sharing. If you don't feel that you have anything new to say at that point, there's kind of, and you're like, well, I, it's the same story that's coming out here. And now it's been seen by my audience a few times or it's brought in a few, it's brought in, you know, new audience, whatever it might be already. And you're like, well, I, I have nothing new to say right now. It's totally fine to kind of take a break from the actual pitching. But what I would say is some of the other parts that, that come into 
media outreach, which we'll talk about, I would recommend that you're continuing to do that on a regular basis. Um, Because that's the stuff that often leads to these huge kind of life-changing big juicy features that Mm. that sort of help to skyrocket your business from where it is now to a whole new level yeah that sounds amazing love (laughs) it so outreach pitching let's call it what it is you as the journalist let's use an example here you're writing for Forbes Mm -hmm. I'm a business owner I want to be in Forbes you hold the keys (laughs) to my dream Bianca how do I get into Forbes Okay, so I think Forbes really is the same as getting into anything else. I think people put it on a pedestal, especially mm-hmm. as a business owner. Obviously, because it's such a well-known title for business owners particularly, and there's something, there's a level of kudos that comes with like being featured in Forbes. Like if you look at big business owners on Instagram and stuff like that, a lot of them will have in their bio where they've been featured. And if Forbes is on there, it's always a bit like the kind of golden ticket one that that Mm. they like to talk about a lot with their audiences. So I get all that. And because of that, obviously that means the competition in terms of the pitches that journalists are receiving is a lot bigger. I'm saying bigger, not more fierce, because I'll tell you why in a second. Bigger doesn't mean better, I guess. Exactly. Okay, I could say, and this is the truth, I probably get pitched for Forbes about 100 times a day. Yeah, so... Whoa, that is a lot... Do you have multiple inboxes? How do you, because I always think that about journalists, like how do you cope with just the stuff you need to be doing if it's in the middle of a hundred pitches? I have, there is like, there aren't many people (laughs) who have my email address that's like my main inbox. Do you know Ah, what I mean? So these, these are my inboxes, but in terms of the one that's like, this is the email address that I check the most and that has the fewest emails demanding my attention and all that kind of stuff. There aren't many people who have that. Oh, So you have Insider info. (laughs) Do I? You do have that. Oh my gosh, I'm going to start selling it on the dark web to people. (laughs) How to get on force. Yeah. Um, (laughs) No, so yeah, obviously, and it helps me to just have places where I know that's where most of the pictures are going to go. Right, okay. so you're getting a lot of pictures. And I a guess yeah, we can make this like, this is obviously, I joked about Forbes, but for just all publications, yeah, exactly. obviously pitching is the big thing, right? Mm-hmm. But I guess even before we think about pitching, how do you know who to pitch to? Like if you know, okay, I want to be in this publication. Like for people that, I remember years ago, I was like, I just, I just don't know how you find these yeah. people. Like where do you find journalists? Just so people aren't like, right, I'm turning this off right now, 100 pitches a day. what's the point yeah of those hundred pitches i receive a day hand on heart i would say less than five are viable a lot of these pitches as well guys are coming from prs and i am not bashing the pr industry i have friends who work in the industry i know people who work in the industry there are some really great prs out there but there are a lot of small business owners paying a lot of money i'm talking like thousands a month here to prs that are not very good at pitching so of those 100 pitches about two to five are possibly viable i feel like this episode can be all over the place because i'm just asking questions as i think (laughs) of them but i feel like that's what the listeners will be thinking as well when you say viable so like the kind of pitch that i would even consider writing okay and what checklist are you going through that helps you to go yes or no this kind of brings me back to the original um well not well the other kind of question that you asked like how do you go about getting to point where you know who to pitch and all this kind of stuff this Mm. all kind of ties in together here so 
to me, there are some kind of golden rules for how to make your pitch a kind of killer pitch that a journalist is like, yes, I'm really interested in that. And this ties into the pitch itself, but also the work you do surrounding the pitch mm. to to make sure that when you're sending it and who you're sending it to is kind of giving you the best chances possible. My first one would be, it needs to be personalized. <laughs> so of these 100 pitches I'm receiving a day, at least half of them I know have just been sent out on blast. It's like, yeah, I'll just send this to 100 people and like maybe one of them will stick. But there's like absolutely no personalization mm. whatsoever. There's no mention of the writing I've done before or like how this might fit into my column. Any of that stuff, there's nothing. It's just like, send it out. Don't really care about that journalist, whatever. Just send it out to loads of people and we'll see what happens. Biggest reason this doesn't work, and this is like the one of the biggest bug bugbears for basically every journalist I know. And mm. you can see there's a lot of research about the fact that lack of personalization is a huge thing that journalists are like, if they read a pitch and it's not personalized, they'll be like, no, straight away, a lot of the time. The reason that that is the case is if, you know, for me to write a Forbes piece, start to finish with all the parts that are involved, including like the interview, the research, the writing, the mm -hmm. editing, the, um, all, yeah, all the stuff that goes alongside it. You're looking at kind of eight hours for a piece. That's probably how long it takes me realistically, start to finish to create a piece, not just for Forbes, but for any media outlet. Yeah. Now there'll be a lot of journalists that work, you know, that are putting out, if they work in house, they may be putting out like several stories a day. They're still putting a lot of effort and time into these pieces. In our view, if you can't even be bothered to send me something personalized, why on earth mm -hmm. would I put the time and effort into writing a piece about you that I know is going to help your business massively? Like, yeah. why would I bother doing that? Yeah. It's just if basic you can't be bothered. human yeah. communication. You'd be amazed, though, how many people don't I do know. it. I know. I see it with the podcast all the time. People pitch. They spell my name wrong. They write a different oh. name I've had pictures before that are meant for my friends that host podcasts that's similar <laughs> to mine or my favorite one is where they say like hi Alice loved listening to the recent episode with Bianca so fascinating to hear about and they just copy and paste the title I always write back and go oh what were your main takeaways from the episode what did you like about it because you just know yeah. that even in that like slight attempt to personalize they don't actually know you yeah and it's just so sad for them because you think oh god you've, you've fallen at the first hurdle like, yeah I don't care about anything else yeah. now exactly so yeah so the personalization thing huge issue another big issue and this is something that so few people do that even when someone does it and the rest of the pitch is like not that great I notice and I really appreciate it because it's so rare and okay. this is when the person pitching actually remembers and considers the audience. So many times people are sort of pitching to me, to the journalist or any other journalist without real consideration of like, what is the audience going to get out of this? Mm. And this kind of brings me back to what we were talking about before in terms of like, you know, what do you have to share in your business in terms of expertise or your own experience? The reason I talk about those things is because when you look at it in that sense, you have something usually that is going to be really valuable to a particular audience mm. that they can take from the piece. And value comes in loads of different forms. Like it could be that it's just entertaining, that it's inspiring, that it teaches them something new, that it opens their eyes to something, whatever it might be. But there's got to be an element of like value in your idea that the audience is going to love. Because 
if you think about it, a journalist's objective is always to create work, create stories that their audience will find valuable. Because mm -hmm. when an audience finds it valuable, they'll come back again. So if you can meet the journalist at the same objective to create something that their audience is gonna find valuable, mm. then you're already like way ahead of the curve compared to 98% of the pitches they're receiving. Mm. So yeah, so it's like value and the audience and like yeah. how something's valuable to the audience is a massive part of that. And I guess a big part of that is knowing what you're pitching for. Yeah. Even like, is this a section of a magazine that's all story led? So they're yes. looking for a story or actually is it like listicles and they're looking for me to share like, listicles makes me sound like <laughs> I'm in the nineties or something, but it sticks in my head. That's, you know, the three tips for this or how yeah. to do that. I guess that's where, yeah, knowing who you're pitching to and then altering your pitch depending on that. Absolutely. Makes sense, right? Not just going, I've got the most amazing idea for an article everyone's gonna love it, I'll send it to them all. Yeah, exactly. That doesn't work. Exactly, and that's the thing, right? If you are sort of thinking about the way that journalist writes their pieces, the way they work with experts, whether they do most of their pieces as listicles, whether they do them as long form features, whether they um, like to have bits of video in, whatever it might be, if you're actually thinking about that it means you can tailor your pitch to be something mm. that they're going to find appealing yeah you know so you're giving yourself a much better chance of getting a yes than if you don't do that so there's kind of personalization adding value and thinking about the audience and then I'd say like the other big thing is answering the question why should we write about this now why does this matter now mm. what is a kind of news hook is the word we call it so what is a, a thing that's happening in the world right now that you can kind of hook this story onto to justify why the audience would want to read about it or mm. hear about it or watch it right now. And there are lots of different ways you can do that. Sometimes it's that there's new research or data out. Maybe a celebrity has been doing something or there's a kind of a celebrity gossip story going on or maybe there's a new Netflix show that everyone's talking about that kind of covers one of the issues that you can speak on confidently. Whatever it might be, there's lots of different ways to answer that question but answering that question is typically really mm. important to a journalist and actually is often the bit that will get a pitch over the line is if they have a really strong answer to like why should we write about this now interesting and would that also link to even just like time of year like if you're pitching something that's topical yeah based on time of year if so like how far in advance should you be pitching so <laughs> yeah. like I know that's like a probably how long is a piece of string question but say I've got a story um, this is probably my worst idea ever because I'm coming up with it on the spot. But like if I had some kind of story of like how you can use the summer holidays to kickstart your business, if you've got, you know, six, say like uni students, how uni yeah. students can use the six week summer holidays to start a new business. Okay, I'm thinking, right, that probably needs to come out just before the summer holidays. Mm -hmm. When should I be thinking about pitching that and, and speaking to yeah. the journalists about it? Well, seeing as uh, uni students go on holiday for the summer in like April. <laughs> Can you tell I didn't go to university, everyone? <laughs> yeah, no when you're like six do. weeks holiday, I'm like, God, do make it 12. Months? Oh my God, yeah, it's bloody great. Oh, I loved it. I might quit my business go to uni oh, for a few years. It's just so good. Um, anyway, no, so to answer your question, yes, it does depend, but I can give you some kind of pointers here. So 
if it's a monthly magazine, so let's say like a glossy magazine, let's say yeah. you're looking to pitch this to a print uh, like monthly. So whether it's like Vogue or Glamour or Cosmopolitan or something, they are typically working six to four months in advance. So if you were pitching for like a uni student thing, which would probably come out May or June, you'd want to be pitching that in January, February. Whereas if, you know, if it's something really topical, like on if you're sort of pitching to be featured by uh, an online kind of magazine let's say it's refinery 29 mm -hmm. they have a lot of stuff that's really tied heavily to strong news hooks that's the kind of thing you could be pitching today and they could be asking for your comments tomorrow and the piece is published tomorrow afternoon it really depends on the outlet so i think a good rule of thumb is print monthly six to four months in advance print weekly you know a month in advance if it's kind of a daily thing maybe a week in advance to up to kind of like that day or the day before and then I think another thing to consider here is if it's like a big event that you're pitching around so Christmas for example so if you're a product-based business and you really want to be in Christmas gift guides you are going to need to start pitching in like July sometimes mm. because if it's a print one they're going to be photographing their product uh, gift guides all that kind of stuff throughout the summer yeah that's something to consider I think another big one is something like International Women's Day yeah obviously if you're a female business owner there are so many oh my god I, I receive an insane amount of pictures like female founder <laughs> leading up to International Women's Day I think if you can get ahead of the curve and start pitching in sort of at least in mid-Jan to end of January for mm. International Women's Day in mid-March, then you're definitely going to be ahead of a lot of other people. Basically, you don't want to get to a point where you know that journalist is going to be flooded yeah. with pitches around a very similar topic to yours all at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's kind of gauging what the competition is going to be like at that time and then thinking about the practicalities of like when those websites newspapers magazines are made or updated yeah so that you can be pitching something at the right time for when it's being made mm. as opposed to just when you see it come out that's all super helpful thank you like there's so, so much welcome. to it your brain is full <laughs> of all the knowledge i love it um we didn't come so something you did ask me before and we actually haven't spoken about it yet was how do you find journalists so yes. like how do you research so I'm really keen to talk about that just because I know it will be something that lots of people want to know look this all ties in together it's all one big complicated spider's web no it's not that complicated <laughs> but it's a big spider's web of uh <laughs> of links in terms of yeah the kind of thing you need to pitch when you need to do it all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff I think the main thing you want to do before you even consider sending a pitch out is research, research, research. So you wanna be researching titles that have an audience that's aligned with what you do. So obviously if you're a women's fertility coach, you're probably not gonna be pitching to like the gentleman's journal or, you know, it's like thinking about places that are a good fit for your expertise in terms of the kind of brand that they are or the, or the audience that they have. And then looking up on the websites the journalists that write those kinds of stories. So mm -hmm. let's say you're pitching an idea around like mental health. You're going to want to look for like a lifestyle journalist or a wellness journalist that is writing about those topics regularly. And once you've done that research, as we were saying earlier, you want to see how they typically format their pieces. So 
if they never write listicles, don't pitch them a listicle. So, you know, you want to be thinking about tying in. I know they like to write pieces in this way. I'm going to sort of make sure my pitch echoes that. And then a big thing is, if possible, try to build a bit of a relationship with the journalist before you send them a pitch. Now, I'm not saying you have to be best friends with every journalist that you come across or that you want to pitch. But if you even just reach out to them on social media, tell them it's a bit like you're saying with emails about your podcast. Like, oh, I read your piece about X, Y, Z. I particularly loved what mm. you said about ABC. Yeah. It really got me thinking about one, two, three. Honestly, they'll be so like touched because you have then fulfilled that objective of theirs, which is to create stories that are so valuable true. for their audience. So if you can sort of reach out to them in that way, you will get on their radar quite quickly. Mm. And you don't have to sort of be doing this for ages, but sort of spending at least a couple of weeks, if not more, building a bit of relationship with journalists that you know are a really good fit for your expertise and your business. Mm. You're going to have much more uh, possibility of success when it comes to the pitching than if you just send a pitch cold. Mm. Because journalists are just like everybody else in that when they open their inboxes, first emails they're looking for are the ones they're expecting. Yes. And then the second are from names that they recognize. So And true. then if they have time, they'll go through the rest. Like we're all kind of the same. And particularly if you have like a very full inbox, you do prioritize them in that way. So yeah, try to be one of those people that, they're either expecting an email from you or they just recognize your names. So they're like, oh, I've seen this person on mm. social media. Oh, and they've, you know, they've really engaged my work. Oh, I'll open that pitch. Yeah. You know? So that's what I'd say about, yeah, doing the research, finding journalists mm. that are a good fit and then making contact I before you pitch. It's like flirting, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> Put in a bit of work before you go in with the, the hard sell. And I mean, everything's Googleable, isn't it? Yeah, like if you sure. if you everyone's online, LinkedIn is great, Twitter's great. Yeah. There's, like you said, so many websites. It just shares it right there. Yeah, You're absolutely. Gonna... And you know, just to plug, I have <laughs> the scoop, which is a membership that's like super affordable membership for small business owners, teaching them everything they need to know about how to do this, including pitch templates, Q and A's with journalists, like short courses all sorts of different things so you can learn how to do it rather than trying it once it not working or investing loads of money into PR when it mm. might not be the right fit for you yet or you don't know if you're going to get much out of it yet so um yeah but it is definitely there's stuff that you can absolutely google and particularly like finding journalists who might mm. be a good fit for you you can definitely do that does the scoop have contacts in it like yes it okay. does yeah i feel like that's so valuable yeah okay everyone needs to go and join the suite because <laughs> i feel like that's one of the biggest things that you can always use as a reason not to be pitching is just like oh well i don't know who to pitch to yeah it's for like, sure here you go yeah there's our email address that's it and like yeah so in the scoop i have like a list of well it's not even just a list it's a database of journalist contacts who i have either know myself or i have researched mm. and i also include notes about the kind of writing they do, what kind of stuff they're mm. interested in writing about. So I sort of do a bit of that research for you. Yeah, that's super <laughs> So that helpful. you can then super speed your, your kind of pitching time to them because you're not having to do as much research. So good. So on the topic of emailing journalists, yeah. what do we write in the subject line? Because oh, if you're gosh. getting 100 a day, I feel like the subject line is pretty important. Yeah, for sure. So I would say definitely put the word pitch in there at the start okay. and then you want to think about your subject line like it's a headline Ooh. so 
I would say you can afford to be quite bold with your subject line. I'm not saying be offensive. Do some people <laughs> take it too far? Sometimes. Or like, don't be deliberately controversial to the extreme. But whatever topic you're talking about, I think you want to think about the subject line as if it were a headline. So when you're writing it, ask yourself, would I click on this story? Like if mm. I saw this on a website, would I read this story? Mm. You know, and I would say really avoid using overused language so for example if you're pitching me about your business and you're a female business owner at Forbes Women obviously I receive hundreds of pitches that mm -hmm. are about female business owners so if you're putting the words female founder in the title you're probably doing that alongside 90% of the emails I'm receiving that day right. so it's like try to avoid overused phrases or words um, that are kind of cluttering up your subject line because you want to remember that sometimes a journalist might be looking at this on their phone so you maybe have like five words to make an impact yeah. so you want to be really trying to to say something that that captures the essence of what you are sharing and I would say focus on the value don't just think oh I'm a female business owner and I'd love to share my story it's like well what aspect of your story is someone going to get out of this what are they going to learn and it's exactly the same with the subject line like think about what is the value of this pitch or what is the strong news hook mm. that I'm bringing into this pitch it's got to be something that the journalist can immediately be like oh that's interesting or oh I've I've not I haven't been aware that this is like a big thing everyone's talking about right now mm. to get them hooked enough to open the yes. pitch itself and I guess this is a bit of personal preference but do you like a long email that gives you all the information you might need you know stats links quite a big blurb or do you like something a bit more punchy oh what? definitely more punchy I okay. think particularly for the first email you want it to be as short and to the point as it possibly can now I'm not saying just write like one line <laughs> hi Bianca <laughs> Pitch yeah. this title, cheers, yeah. Alice. <laughs> I think like you want to obviously be including your sort of headline, what your kind of headline would be for the for the idea, what the main point of the idea mm -hmm. is, what the value of that might be for the audience, um, why you need, why they should be writing about this now, mm -hmm. and then why you as the expert, you know, are the person to kind of offer advice on this yeah you want to share all that stuff but as succinctly as you possibly can mm. so like I receive a lot of pictures that are like I don't know 500 words long like more like it's just like wow. I don't I don't have the time to read them yeah um how long do you spend a day looking at pictures? Because I still can't, I'm still stuck up on the 100 <laughs> pictures a day that you said earlier. So honestly, some of them, because the subject lines are so bad, I don't even open them. Oh, okay. I don't even open them because I'm already like, no, that's not gonna work for me. Yeah. It's not a good fit. The ones I do open, I will be scanning. Like if you can't, if, if I'm not hooked in the first couple of sentences, then I will probably get rid of the pitch. And that's not me being like, oh, this person's so rubbish and being super judgmental. It's literally, it's such a tiny part of my job. That's yeah. the time I can afford to give to it. So you really want to consider grabbing the journalist's attention as quickly as you possibly can. Mm -hmm. And coming just coming back quickly to the point about making contact with and building a bit of relationship with a journalist before yeah if you've done that they're probably going to give you a little bit more time than mm. if you pitch them cold so yes. 
that can really help you to again get your pitch over the line mm. but I think really focus on making an impact as quickly as you possibly can in a pitch yeah so should I not shouldn't put at the start hey Bianca hope you're doing well and enjoying the sunshine we've got in London do, no. we, do we do the British no we're not I mean doing the look chat. it's nice it's nice to have you know for it not to be like super blunt yeah <laughs> and I would say that if you're saying hi Bianca loved the piece you wrote about blah blah oh, okay and I loved what you said about blah blah that's that's interesting because again I'm like oh mm. they've actually done a bit of research and they've engaged with my work but then very quickly going into um on that note I actually have an idea that might be valuable to your audience gotcha. Bam, off you go so you just want to keep it as short and sweet as you can but yeah try to make it clear that you've done your research as quickly as possible and then what the value of your idea would be to the audience mm -hmm. um, or what they're going to take out of it and then why it really matters right now I think mm. they're the big things that you want to include on the note of what's the value and I think what's the kind of key topic of what you're pitching I'm really interested to get your thoughts on as business owners should we just be pitching things that are very kind of within our wheelhouse probably not the right phrase to use but if I use myself as an example yeah does it just make sense to be pitching things that position me as like a business marketing expert as an entrepreneur as a podcast host like all of the things that sit within my business mm. or is there also benefit from looking for press opportunities that are perhaps more personal like I know of friends where they've had stories written about them that are maybe about like childhood experiences that they had or about um what it was like for them to like buy a house in the pandemic which obviously isn't directly linked to their business but for them there obviously felt like some kind of yeah. benefit there I guess that's going down the, the line of seeing like okay it's backlinks it's still a bit of awareness what are your thoughts on that of I guess how focused should we keep it all yeah so I would say I think it's a really good idea to 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 send some pitches or gain some press that's not directly about your expertise or your business. I mm. think it helps to bring that sense of personalization to your kind of media story. I, I think something to think about is that it might actually bring in new audiences from places that you hadn't thought about before. So, you know, it could be, let's say, to use that house buying example, you know, perhaps it's somebody who wouldn't necessarily automatically read a business piece from that person sharing expertise on an aspect of their business but maybe it's a young person who's maybe got this little idea that they think could be a cool business but they're like oh I just don't know if it would be possible for me and it's just not practical like you know how would I be ever, ever be able to buy a house or do all these other things if I haven't you know if I'm running a business and then they see an article about someone talking about buying this house in the pandemic and like oh they happen to be a business owner oh mm. that's kind of interesting I might look that person up it can help you connect with audiences that aren't already kind of singing your tune in different and creative ways and that, but I would say that like to to make sure people know who you are and what you do mm. you obviously want I would say at least two-thirds of the press that you're getting or aiming to get to mm -hmm. be about your expertise your business or your kind of experience around running the business yeah yeah just to kind of make sure you stay on message mm. but yeah it can definitely be really valuable for sure but I guess it's making sure even just in that example you gave, there was still that thread in there that mentioned actually what the person did. Yeah. And there was a link to that. I remember last year I got some press in all of basically the 
shitty newspapers it got like a full <laughs> like full bingo card i think it was in one day it was like the daily star the daily mail oh wow da- like i feel like they're all the same one and they just put the same thing on yeah. all of them with different titles but who knows but literally they were within like three seconds of each other it was really bizarre but it was because of a tiktok i'd put out that was completely unrelated to business it was basically just about how in a cost of living crisis my tip was to get your boyfriend to pay for your tampons <laughs> because men owe women so much in this world and we should save money by doing that put it up as a joke went a bit viral it got picked up and I remember thinking like oh first of all that's quite funny second of all like, okay well that would be good press at least like mm-hmm. and then I realized like well no because I could only really make sense of this some kind of link and I think all they'd written was like Alice Benham TikToker oh, and yeah. I was like right okay well that's not doing anything is it like there's no link here to like who I am as a person I think the actual backlink it gave me as well was to like my TikTok account which is right again not relevant so I guess there's a note in there of making sure that even if it is a more personal story there's still a way that it's maybe yeah absolutely but then you know I think for someone who's like you know there's obviously some like a real feminist note to what you said Mm. and you could be bringing people into your audience true that may not have just you you might not have gotten onto their Mm. radar before and the thing is, when people find someone they like online, they do often go digging quite quickly. So they might be like, oh, you know, you said you're here. They're looking at your TikTok, but you have a link to your Instagram on there. They might go and click on that mm, and then have a look at you on Instagram. Point. And then it's like, oh, oh, they actually they're a business owner and they're a coach and they help people with their marketing and they do this. And the oh, I could do with that. Mm. Oh, I'd like to find out more. I'll f- start following her and see see what she's about. So it's it's yeah, you know we true. we we're all quite nosy. <laughs> yeah. And if somebody comes on our radar saying something we find funny or interesting again that we find valuable, we will often then like afford them a bit more of our time. So it can be really useful as well. But like what I would always say, I'm definitely not one of these people that's like, "Oh, press is good press." Like do not feel you have to share your innermost secrets, your whole life, every mm-hmm. aspect of you and your personality and your private life and everything goes on that goes on behind the scenes to be a relatable or interesting yeah. or, um, you know, like valuable voice in the media or like mm. to show up as a business owner. Like I definitely think keep your boundaries, you know, and you decide yourself what you're happy to speak about and what you're not um, and just go from there. That is a fantastic point and one I'm so glad you made because I think it can be tempting in a way to just go, okay, like, you know, we know that they want something that's a bit out there. Mm -hmm. It's going to get the clicks. It's going to be interesting to people. It's going to be different. So, you know, almost like let me dig through the archives of my whole personal life and like what we're going to pick out and use as our hook. Um, But you're right. It's got to feel comfortable for us to share because also if it doesn't feel comfortable to share, it's not going to feel comfortable for hundreds, if not thousands of people to to see it, to talk to you about it, yeah, for it to then be out there forever. Yeah. Keep it within the boundaries. Oh yeah, absolutely. All about the boundaries. Yeah, love that. I could ask you so, so many more questions, but I feel like I've asked you a lot of questions already. <laughs> so I'm just gonna end with just a couple more questions. Sure. That's okay. Just a few things that have come to mind as we've been recording. Um, the first thing would be people paying to mm-hmm. be in publications. I get probably an email a day and probably a DM a day. Um, not quite as much as your 100 pitches, but one email <laughs> a day, feels a lot for me, from someone saying, I can get you into Forbes, I can get you into Business Insider, I can get you into XYZ Magazine. Um, 
And then when you actually look into it or you say, oh yeah, that sounds cool, you're paying 400 pounds to be listed. Or they say, I could put you as Yahoo's top 10 businesswoman in London. Right. And you're paying 150 pounds to do it. So we're talking about, is it? No. What's going on there? Yeah, so obviously there's a difference between hiring a PR who's like, I have all these media contacts, yeah. I can help you with your strategy, I can pitch you in your business, to a journalist who's then gonna make the decision themselves, do I wanna write about this? That journalist is not gonna charge them or you <laughs> for writing. These kind of things that you're talking about, and I know there are a lot out there, and honestly, like, oh my God. If I was like charging to write my Forbes pieces, which I wouldn't do because mm. I am a journalist, uh, and it's also just, it's not above board. It's not a legitimate thing. I was gonna thing. say, like what actually It's not legitimate. It? No, it's not legitimate. No. And a lot of these big titles are really trying to stamp down on it. It's basically writers who maybe have a platform on somewhere like Forbes and are, who are going kind of underhand and doing a kind of pay to play thing. Right. So they're not, they're not really fussed about the integrity of the pieces, mm -hmm. about how strong the story is. Is it gonna connect with an audience? It's just like, I can make a bit of money here, slap this person's name in this quite like subpar article and they get to say they've been like in Forbes and they paid a bit of money for it, but it's a guarantee for them. Yeah. So people still pay for this stuff because they're like, well, it'll it's a guarantee then. Mm. But what I would say to that is firstly, it's not above board. It's not something that is allowed or recommended or is legitimate. Secondly, like, what if your audience found out that you had paid for yeah. your mention that you've been using in your marketing strategy as like a, look, see how legitimate I am, ploy. Mm -hmm. What if they found out that you'd paid for it? Mm. Like, that could that could ruin your business. Yeah, you know, do I don't want to be dramatic about it, but yeah, it could do so much damage. Like, it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. And actually... If you if you have something valuable to say and you take these steps to make your pitch the best it can be and to pitch it to the right person and to build that relationship, all of this stuff that is totally possible for you to do without a PR, um, then when that piece comes out, it's gonna be so much better and so much mm. more valuable and not just for you, but for the audience as well, which in turn is gonna bring you so many better results yeah. than if you paid someone a thousand pounds to be mentioned in some like fluff puff piece in a in like a big title that's not like, that wasn't legitimate. Mm. I'm so glad you said that. And I think for a lot of people, what I hope that'll have given them is just a bit of, assurance that that isn't yeah. how the media works. I remember when I first used to get those emails like six, seven years ago, I didn't understand how press works. Yeah. So I kind of thought that was maybe the way it worked. Mm -hmm. And it was only from like speaking to PR experts or journalists and just kind of seeing the industry. And I was like, oh no, that's like you said, that's that's underboard. Like that yeah. isn't, that's like the dark side of yeah. the industry. And it doesn't have, you don't have to go through yeah. those approaches and you shouldn't go through. Yeah, exactly. Approaches. Exactly. I'm kind of tempted one day to say yes to one of them and just like see what would happen. Obviously, I I won't. And if I did, I would tell everyone that it was a fake thing that ended yeah. up coming out. But I'm just kind of fascinated by yeah. it. Sometimes I reply to their emails and I'm like, yeah, I'm really interested. Tell me more. Just because I'm really yeah. lazy. It's very expensive a lot of the time. Yeah. It's usually like a thousand pounds plus yeah. for a, an article. And I'm so curious, like what they're do, what this middle person is then doing. Yeah. 
Well, they're, they must be like keeping the identity of the journalist. We should crack down on that. Let's make that our yeah. new mission. <laughs> Get rid of the fake, weird paper things. Um, another question I wanted to ask was around journo requests. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like aside from pitching, that's another part of how perhaps people yeah. can be kind of proactive with their media outreach. What are your recommendations around, I guess, being aware of what journalists might be looking for and how you can get involved in other pieces? Yeah, so if you don't know what a journo request is, it's basically typically on Twitter mm-hmm. where a journalist or sometimes on on um, things like um, help a reporter out, there are these, mm-hmm. these sort of databases and platforms where journalists will go and they're already writing a particular piece and they're looking for a particular kind of expert or case study or voice Mm -hmm. to supplement what they're already writing in the piece so rather than you pitching an idea of your own it's essentially where you might you know let's say you're I don't know um an interior designer you might then look out for journal requests which are about the home or about design or Mm -hmm. styling your house or homewares or DIY or whatever it might be that you might be a good fit to to apply your voice to. Mm -hmm. So what I would say about those is they can be a really great way to get media coverage really quickly because it's often that a journalist will have, they'll be on a tight deadline. Okay. And maybe they don't have someone in their contact list already that can give them the quote that they're after. Mm -hmm. So they put it out there on one of these platforms or sometimes on Twitter to see if there's anyone out there who is a good fit. What I would say with those is, again, there'll usually be quite a lot of competition, Mm. particularly if they tell you what title it is and it's a big title. I no longer do journal requests for Forbes because it's just not worth the admin. (laughs) (laughs) Then you're going to have a thousand pictures in your Oh my God, it's just unbearable. So, but what I would say, the main kind of rules to follow Mm -hmm. or advice I would give is um, firstly, do what they ask. So if they've asked you to send them a DM, don't email them. Mm -hmm. If they've asked you to email them, don't send a DM. You know, just there's lots of little fine print things that it's worth making sure you do exactly what they ask because if you don't you're probably just going to be an immediate no because they're like well they didn't follow the instructions Mm. so can't be bothered with that another little pointer i would give is if they've just asked for an expert without saying much about the topic you know don't just give a one-liner like oh i'm an interior designer you know share a little bit more about your expertise what makes you unique or different Uh, if they do give you some indication of what the piece uh, is about. So I'm writing an article on XYZ, looking for an expert in this, Mm -hmm. and you're the good fit for it. If you can, in your response to their journal request, give a little comment on the topic already. Mm. So they might have specific questions they want to ask you, but they also might appreciate just a pull quote. So a quote that they can literally lift from your answer and put straight in the article. So there have been times when I've been looking for a particular kind of comment on something specific, which I've not said in the journal request. Mm. But sometimes people have sent me a quote anyway. And I've been like, oh, that's a really interesting. Mm. And I've lifted that. I mean, like, hey, I actually did use your quote in my piece oh, without good. having further contact with them between, you know, that journal request going out. 
and them sending me a response and me writing an article. So it can be a useful thing to do as well because even if they don't directly just use your quote without asking you any more questions, mm. it can give them a really good sense of your voice and kind of what opinion you might have or how you might express yourself in a way mm. that an audience would be able to digest easily. So that's super helpful. And I feel like as well, journal requests, they move quite quickly, don't oh, yeah, they? You've so you want to be checking it every couple, like check it fairly often if that's something you want to keep on top of. And if you see one from two days ago, they've probably it's probably already. too late. Yeah. <laughs> Try again. Yeah. Refresh your Twitter feed. Find it. That's it. But they come around a lot. So so it's great. You know, it's yes, sometimes it's annoying when you see one from a few days ago and you're like, oh, I would have been perfect for that. They come around again. There's always some new journal request that's coming out. Just keep on top of it and there will be another opportunity. Yeah. And something to do as well, which I always appreciate is if you see a journal request for one of your friends or someone mm -hmm. else in your network, like hand it on. For I've, sure. It means so much to me when friends will forward me like a tweet or just pop me a message about, oh, I just thought of you. Because then it makes you want to do the same back to exactly. them. And I feel like in, in, in business as a whole, but particularly within like media and PR, like relationships will serve you so well. Mm -hmm. So like do other people well. Yeah, and it'll exactly. probably come back to you. Is there anything we've not, I mean, there's so much obviously we've not covered. First of all, that's why people should come and join the scoop to learn all of the things and yeah, kind of take a lot of what we've talked about today and actually put it into practice for mm -hmm. themselves. But is there anything that you'd really want to leave the listeners with? Like if people are sat here now, like, okay, I'm game. Get me in the media, get me in the press. What encouragement or tip would you like to leave them with? often what happens with media outreach is that maybe you know you're not going to get a yes for every pitch that you send even if it's a great pitch sometimes it's just not going to be the right fit the right time there are a million reasons why it might not happen it's really easy to then put that judgment back on yourself and be like oh well I'm just not good enough I'm not interesting enough mm. maybe this isn't for me there's so much doubt and fear <laughs> that can come up when you're thinking about putting your voice out there on a much bigger platform like in the media and I just want to say when that happens you remind you need to remind yourself that there is somebody out there if you've got something valuable to share mm. that is going to be so glad your voice was in the media and that you kept going even if you got a no and you mm. tried another avenue and you didn't say oh well clearly it's just not for me people need to hear your stories of your successes, your failures, your advice, your experience. They need this stuff. Mm. Not just not just because it's entertaining or interesting, but because sometimes you might be the person that helps that one other person. Yeah. We need more people with small businesses, successful businesses in the media, particularly women and people from marginalized communities. Um, there's just not enough of those voices. God, I feel a bit emotional <laughs> after you shared that. But it's so true. Like how incredible that we have this opportunity to help people. Yeah. To make just a bit of a difference. I always think like if you can just play a tiny role in, in giving someone what they might need to yeah. move forwards or feel a little bit better, like that is the biggest privilege. Exactly. Thanks to people like you, we, we know how to get into those platforms. So now it's just up to us to uh, put in a little bit of work, isn't it? That's right. And be consistent with it. Be I like that reminder as well of like, I remember quite a few years ago, I was like, right, I'm gonna pitch. And I literally said one pitch, never got a reply. Followed up, didn't get a reply. I was like, cool, that's my, that's my pitching done. 
Let's come yeah. finish with this one. <laughs> yeah, you want to keep going. Um, because just remember this, even journalists, like I, I still pitch, I still get no's. You know, mm. this happens even for journalists. This happens for people who are experts in the industry or have a lot of experience in the industry, have written for really uh, famous places. Like we still get no's too. You just keep going and you try mm. a different tactic or you send it to somebody else. You know, you don't want to give up after the first hurdle because there is just so much benefit to you and to audiences that can come mm. from you getting your business and yourself into the media. Yeah. Bianca, thank you so much. For Thanks for having me. Everything that you've shared today, but also just for everything that you do. I mean, how cool to think of all the women that you've supported by doing the work that you do, not just in terms of your education through the scoop, but also like the pieces that you've written about people. Like Thank that must you. be cool when someone's like, my whole business has changed and grown because you wrote that piece. Yeah, like it is amazing. I mean, I know we're finishing, but just one anecdote. No, I wrote please. a piece about a woman who helps mothers get back into the workplace mm. by writing them like killer CVs. And she had experienced major discrimination when she had her daughter at the company she'd been at before who told her when she asked for flexible working, this is why we hire men. <gasps> oh, I mean, gosh. this is literally like five years ago as well. We're not talking yeah, in like yeah. the 1920s or something. And I wrote this piece about her on Forbes. It kind of went viral. Like it got shared by all the different Forbes outlets around the world and ended up with like over 150, I think it was like over 150,000 reads or something like that. Wow. I can't remember. I haven't looked for a while to see where it's up to, but it really like helped transform her business and she mm. was getting like her whole wait list was booked out like her client list was booked out like it just it just really helped her and set her on this path as a voice in that area mm. and a voice for women who had been through the same struggles so yeah it really helped her and it helped her audience too which is exactly yeah. what we're going for oh i love that story <laughs> well your work is very needed so thank you for everything that you do thank you for everything that you shared today i will leave your links in the show notes so the little description box wherever you are listening um so people can come and check you out join the scoop read your articles send you a pitch yeah. You have to let me know if, if any of these listeners are successful in pitching to you. Absolutely. I look forward to seeing all of their pieces. <laughs> thanks so much, Alice. No, thanks for being here. So that's it for another episode of Starting the Conversation. I really hope you enjoyed listening in. As the title of this podcast suggests, these episodes are only the start of the conversation. So I'd love for you to continue that conversation by sharing your thoughts. Have you got an experience or perspective that you'd like to share related to what we discussed today? I'd love for you to come and find me over on Instagram or LinkedIn. You can just search my name, Alice Benham, and let me know what you thought. And hey, if you enjoyed listening into this episode, why not share it on your socials or with a business friend. It means so much, not only because I love to see who's tuning in, I like to know where you're listening and what you're up to, but also just because it's one of the best ways for this podcast to reach new business owners and help even more people. Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast because I'll be back in your ears next Tuesday with another episode. So until then, keep showing up, keep taking the messy action. I'm cheering you on. You have got this. Thank you.